in the text for the meeting, in the book of John, Jesus says that we are to not think that we have four months until the harvest, for the fields are white. In Luke chapter 10, the first few verses, Jesus also addresses, he's going to send the 70 out. And he says to look to the fields because they're white at a harvest and the workers are few. I want to talk about something this afternoon or this evening that may or may not be you. But it is a lot of what Christian-minded people I see in the world today, not many of them members of the church, I understand, are falling prey to. It has to do with something I was told when I was a child. Many of you older folks remember that. Children are to be seen and not heard. I, unfortunately, was heard way too much. I've never been one to be quiet, never been one to back down, never been one to keep my opinions quiet. That could be good and bad. A lot of times it was bad. But you know what? The last 50 years, more so than ever, the world has told Christians, get over there and shut up and sit down. Christians are to be seen and not heard. Everybody else gets to be heard, but we don't get to be heard. Brethren, if we continue to listen to them, if we continue to obey what they tell us to do, and that is to be quiet, keep our nose on our own business, keep our mouth shut, and not offend anybody, on the day of judgment, they're going to look at us and say, why did you listen to us? Why didn't you stand up and say something? I'm not accusing, please understand, I'm not accusing you of being that way. When I was in college back in, oh, I think it was my third freshman year, I had a government teacher that was a devout atheist, proudly. And so he would find anybody in the classroom that he considered a Christian, and he would pick on them relentlessly. One day he picked on the wrong boy. And I'm not bragging today, but as I said, I've never been one to be quiet. So I stood in his face toe to toe in front of the class and told him one of these days his knee would bow and his tongue would confess. He didn't like that. So I was called into the bursar's office and the president's office, every other office they could think of, told that I better remember my place. And I told him, as a 19-year-old Oklahoma boy from a small town, if he can say what he wants, I can say what I want. And I know that sounds rude. I, I understand that. I don't mean to be disrespectful. And I'm not encouraging you tonight to be disrespectful. But the fields are white at a harvest, and a lot of those people don't know they're white. They don't know they're ripe. They don't know they're ready. They don't know they're lost. And if we don't say something, who will? And yet they continue to shout us down, tell us to get over in the corner, sit down and shut up, while the enemies of God, those who proclaim and live the ungodliest lives you can imagine, scream their doctrines from the housetops. Preach it from every street corner, every classroom in America. Every college class, you college students, I feel for you today because it was bad when I went to school 40 years ago, and I don't guess it's gotten any better. Most everyone you meet promotes every ungodly attitude you can imagine, and they don't want to hear anybody stand for the truth. In the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the, putting on the gospel armor. At the end of that passage in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says he hopes and prays that he will boldly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Boldly. It doesn't mean rudely. It doesn't mean hatefully. But it does mean that you need to understand those words Jesus said on more than one occasion. Marvel not, brethren, if the world hates you. Because it hated him first. In fact, Jesus said they hated him without cause. They're going 
to hate what we stand for. That's a given. Accept that and say it anyway. Now, should we say it with love? Of course. Is it going to make any difference how we say it? Most likely not. They're going to be offended no matter how you say it. But we do our duty. Brother, we don't have a choice. We don't have an option to sit down and be quiet. That's not given. Jesus told us to preach the gospel to every creature. Paul told Timothy to preach the gospel in every season, in season, out of season. Well, I don't guess it gets much more out of season than it is today. If you stand up, people are going to get angry. If you make your feelings about scriptural ideas known, they're not going to like it. And they will rise up against you. And I think too many people have sat quietly. For instance, I don't know all the letters that go in the LGBTQ78 question mark stuff anymore. I don't even understand all that anymore. But I do know that in Genesis chapter 5 verse 2, the Bible says God created them male and female. Bible of Mark chapter 10 verse 6 reaffirmed that God made them male and female. I don't want to just pick on one particular idea. There's lots of them. But you know there's no idea being promoted by the world, no more so than that agenda. It is just a sin in the eyes of God. Please don't think it's any worse than anything else. But it seems like it bothers us more because it's so everywhere. It's more common than anything else. It's every argument we hear. It's in every classroom. My wife continues to ask me what I'm going to do when they force me to teach it in my classroom. I said, they're not going to. They're going to try. And it's not going to work. She said, what if you get fired? I said, I had a job when I got here. And I'll have a job when I leave. Brother, it's time we stopped sitting down and keeping our mouth shut. Those people need us to speak. I want to turn to the book of Acts and read you a passage. Because I understand, years ago I heard, and I checked this out, it was true at the time. I don't know if it still happens. Years ago, this was, there was a, a congressman named Barney Frank. Some of you all might remember Barney Frank. He was not a man of high moral character. He was not a man who was uh, sexually obedient to the scriptures. He began to try to pass language in Congress where it would be illegal for religious institutions to speak out against homosexuality. So far it's not passed, brethren, it will. In today's society, before many of us are gone, it'll be illegal for us to speak biblically about that topic. I think some of us were shocked a couple of years ago when the state of Oklahoma informed us we would go to jail. We had the opportunity to go to jail if we gathered to go to church. We gathered together gaily. We're going to discuss what we're going to do. And one of the brethren asked, well, are we going to meet? And I said, that's not even part of the discussion. They want to drag me out of church in handcuffs. They can. Now, I'm not in a hurry to go to jail. Never been. Don't want to go. I don't want to pay a ticket. I don't want to make anybody mad. But brethren, I think we were surprised by the fact that Christians could be threatened with legal action. It's not a new idea. In Acts chapter 16, verse 20, Paul and Silas are preaching like they always do. They've already been in trouble once. They were released and told to shut up. They didn't. They didn't shut up and they didn't sit down. 
It says the men brought them to the magistrates, saying, this is verse 20 of Acts 16, saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. They're causing a stir. They're stirring up the people. Brother, it's time we start stirring the people up again. It's time we start making some noise again. Stop letting them control the dialogue. You get up on your rooftop and shout your gospel. Don't let them shut you down in the corner and tell you to be a good little boy or girl. Keep your mouth shut. It says they taught customs which are not lawful for us to receive, rather to observe, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. When was the last time you heard about a Christian being abused for standing for the gospel? I know people don't agree with us. They don't like it. They get angry with us. They disagree. They might even call you a name. Our persecution is terrible, isn't it? Our persecution doesn't hold a candle to the first century church. The first century church would laugh at our persecution. And I think sometimes our first century brethren would be ashamed of our unwillingness to stand up and shout from the rooftops. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who was the last member of the church you heard to be imprisoned for the gospel? Now, I don't want to go. I don't want you to go. If you're in a hurry to go, there's really something wrong with you. But would it be the worst thing that's ever happened to you? What do you do when you go to prison for preaching the gospel? Paul and Silas sang songs and preached the gospel in prison. It says, who having received such a charge, this is the jailer, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. Brethren, the next line to me is so crucial to this whole story. When we are threatened by, with anger from the world, when they don't like what we stand for, when they call us all kinds of hateful names because we're hate mongers, or we don't believe that everybody's going to be saved, or we think old-fashioned things, when they threaten us with jail, or persecution, or names that they're going to call us, or hatred, or anger, Paul and Silas prayed, sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. I've always thought that's taking the oranges and making orange juice. Taking the lemons and making lemonade. Taking the Brussels sprouts and somehow making chocolate pie out of it. Brethren, I don't, I don't want us to cause us fuss for the sake of causing a fuss. There are people like that. I don't want, to, I don't want us to be that. Bible says Paul never backed down. Paul knew every time he walked into town, he was most likely going to end up in the same place, in jail. He knew the reaction was going to be the same. In the book of Acts, the Bible says Stephen preached the gospel while they beat him and ripped his flesh from his body with their teeth. And it says he continued to preach while they killed him. He said, I see the Son of God standing on the right hand. As he died, I'm not saying we don't say anything. I'm saying many of us have gotten comfortable. Remember the Old Testament Israelites, the Bible accused them of being at ease in Zion. 
I was told one time that the job of a good Christian, including a speaker, a preacher, is to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. I think we're good at comforting the afflicted, but I think sometimes we need to be afflicted because we're too comfortable. I think sometimes in our classrooms, I'm a teacher, I've taught for 23 years. This year I saw something from another teacher I don't know if I've ever seen. I saw a teacher in a classroom I was observing. She was literally teaching gospel ideas out loud. Now I try to be careful, but I've told people in my classrooms, you know, I'm not supposed to preach in class, but if I was going to preach, I'd probably say something like this. And then I go right ahead and say what I was going to say anyway. But she was not afraid. She wasn't a member of the church, brother. She was boldly proclaiming what she believed at the risk of her job. What's the worst thing that could happen to us? I'll tell you what's the worst thing that could happen to us. Keep our mouth shut again. We have to stand up. We have to say something. We have to be those people. I want to turn very quickly and close by reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to begin reading verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have, this, we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Brethren, I think some, some of us fainted. I think some of us have gotten tired. We've gotten tired of fighting. I think we've given up. We've let them win. We cannot be coaxed into silence any longer. For their sake. The ones who don't want to hear it are the ones who need it. It goes on, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Brother, we can no longer sit quietly in the corner while the immorality of the world is proclaimed from the mountaintops. We can't stop them from shouting their doctrines. But somehow, many times, they have stopped us from shouting ours. Young people, as respectfully as you can, be bold in your classrooms. College people, as respectfully as you can, do not sit quietly and let your professors beat you up spiritually. They have a right to speak. You do too. You have every right to stand up for the gospel just as much as they have every right to squash it. In fact, they need us to stand up. And they don't even know it. Thank you very much.